Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's a co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to keep that conversation going with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. So easy to find, so easy to follow. Check out Parlay Points. New blogs are dropping every day. The Classifies, the Directory, the Patreon, the T Public Store, anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, though, we have to recap a wild night of UFC action. Holy shit. And arguably the biggest comeback win Mm -hmm. in recent history i know it's been getting a lot of media attention and rightfully so yeah but there's a lot to dissect with what happened in the main event of ufc 278 but let's break down the main card and talk about what happened on that night pad uh yeah so the first uh match you had on the main card was in the light heavyweight division where you had tyson pedro defeat harry hansucker uh via tko uh that being body kick and punches at one minute and five seconds into the first round honestly this wasn't really a big surprise for me no nah. i think we kind of mentioned on the show that we thought pedro was going to go and steal this one easily obviously the light heavyweight division is a very e- messy one right now yeah like i'm trying to find a nice way to put it but there's no real clear-cut contenders right now so it's open fair game so if you can put a couple wins together you can sneak up there it's not like of old where it was really deep now it's in that transition phase obviously a new champion that you're gonna have that mm-hmm. so where do we go from here it's kind of hard to say because you're looking at the rankings right now and really is this a big enough jump for uh, Pedro to get up there, Pat. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now because I actually haven't looked at these. Uh, 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 it doesn't even look like he's cracked the top 15 yet. Yeah. So not yet. I mean, I think it gives him credence in an argument to maybe fight one of those guys. Maybe in the t- 10 to 15 range, you, you know, you've, uh, so from 10 to 15 in the UFC light heavyweight division. And I'm looking at UFC.com slash rankings. Number 10, you've got Paul Craig. Number 11, Nikita Krylov. Number 12 is Ryan Spahn. Number 13 is Johnny Walker. 14 is D- Dustin Jacoby. Uh, and number 15 is Jimmy Crute. So I think I think it might give him credence or give him an excuse or, or a reason to fight one of those guys maybe and, and then go from there. You know, is it enough to crack the top 10? No. But I think does it give you an avenue to fight one of those, you know, 10 to 15 guys? Sure. It's got to be something and definitely get his name in the top 15 range. But for Pedro, I don't really know necessarily there's a clear-cut next contender for him because I know there's a couple fights coming up that could draw some attention. Now, Johnny Walker, who's currently yeah. ranked number 13, I know he has a fight coming up. If he f- wins that one, I think that that's a fight you could make. I know in uh, stretch they have Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Spahn coming up too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I guess you could do that one, but I still think that's too high for him. I think you need to keep him somewhere around that 10 to 15 range. Johnny Walker would be a perfect opponent for him, depending on how he does in his next fight. 
I think that one makes a lot more sense to me because everybody else, like I said, even I think Spawn's got a real jump in contendership too against Dominic Reyes as well. So in that range, you can definitely do some things. I mean, Paul Craig would be another fight that he could definitely have. I just don't know necessarily if that's enough to give him a skyrocketing boost. You know, sure. like in some of the other divisions. Yeah, you could do that, sure, but I just don't see how that plays out, though. That's mm-hmm. just me. Uh, next up was in the women's bantamweight division where you had uh, Luce Poldova defeat Wu uh, Yanan, uh, and that was done via TKO in the uh, four minutes and four seconds into the second round, and that was done via elbows. So obviously a pretty straightforward fight in this one. Nothing really to write home about, I would think, mm-hmm. you know, in comparison. And obviously for the winter, women's bantamweight division, you definitely got to get somebody to step up and challenge Amanda Nunez. So this could be the start of something, but like I say, when you have a champion that's so dominant, it's kind of hard to really predict who's going to go from yeah. here. But this is a very solid win, so we got to kind of see where it kind of plays off from here. Yeah, and it's a good return for uh, Lucy, just because I'm looking at her record on her Wikipedia page. She did have a run briefly in the UFC from where is there it is, uh, 2017 through 2020, but she only won two fights during the, uh, that stretch and losing one, two, three, four, five of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so obviously she uh, she was the, after that she wasn't making any fights in the UFC so maybe she was cut maybe she just wasn't doing doing other things I'm not sure uh but she does it's a good comeback for her so we'll, we'll see where this goes you know I I would say it's it's not in the same vein as is what we were talking about with the last fight we're like oh hey let's give them a, a 10 to 15 uh rank match so that we can you know move them up in the rankings I think she needs maybe one more fight before we make that uh next decision I could see that happening too I think that's a good call on that one because that's the thing a lot of these fights that were on this card you didn't really have like clear-cut contenders or the ones that are really mm-hmm. in that 10 to 15 range so if anybody's moving up from here with the exception of the next three fights we're going to be discussing then you really got to say okay who's around that you know 10 to 15 range and that would make a lot more sense with that one too i i do agree but the with the how it's uncertain with the bantamweight division yeah because obviously with nunez back as champion it's pretty much fair game about like who can step up and make a run so you never know. They might uh, put her next opponent against somebody in that 10 to 15 range, too. Yeah. But, I, but I'm with you. I think maybe one more fight, and you can definitely make that argument. Next up was in the bantamweight division, where you had Marab Divashvili uh, defeat Jose Aldo via unanimous decision, uh, 29-28, 29-28, and 30-27. So this one, I, I, I always hate saying snooze fest, but I don't think this had enough uh, fireworks, so to speak, for Marab. Yeah. I think he he fought a very sound fight. I thought Aldo, I, I don't want to say he looked a half step slower, but I think Father Time was kind of catching him up to him a little bit. Well, he is currently uh, 35 years old, uh, turns 36 here in a couple about a couple of weeks uh, on September the 9th. Uh, and he has now fought, scrolling down to it, 39 professional matches, stretching all the way back. Now, bear in mind, this is professional. This ain't count amateur or anything like that. Uh, his first fight was on the 10th of August of 2004. Yeah, so... There's some tread on that tires. There's tread on those tires. And, and like I say, there's no shame to be made with this as well, too. I mean, he's fought a very, very legendary career. In this division right now, I don't see him getting another run at the title, per se. No. He would need a little bit of luck if he's going to really progress forward. And as for Mirab, honestly... Dana White, I th- mm-hmm. to paraphrase a little bit in the in the post fight presser, kind of said uh, this really did not impress me enough to get him in a real great position moving forward. That's interesting because I'm looking at UFC.com slash rankings, and in the bantamweight division, obviously Aljamain Sterling is the champion. Mm-hmm. Number one ranked fighter Peter Yan, 
number two ranked fighter, TJ Dillashaw, and the number three ranked fighter moving up three spots from where he was previously, Marab Divishvili. Yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, they just flip-flopped him and Aldo for rankings. Uh, that's what it looks like, yeah. Yeah, which that's kind of an interesting play they do for the rankings. And they, they it, matter. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing about those. Much I like mean, AEW. <laughs> shots fired, Pad. Am I wrong? No, I I did not say you were a, a, at all. And I think that's something that we got to kind of look at here, too, because I wouldn't bump him up to three after that performance. Definitely would not. I maybe would have gone up one, maybe two. Well, you could argue two. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a real stretch, but I didn't really see anything too much that stood out and said, like, wow, he really needs a title shot. Well, and I mean, he is on a great stretch. I mean, he has won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights in a row now. Which is very impressive, you know, because he beat uh, Tarion Ware by unanimous decision, Brad uh, Katana by unanimous decision, Casey Kenny by unanimous decision, Gustavo Lopez by unanimous decision, John Dodson by unanimous decision, Cody uh, Stammen by unanimous decision. He knocked out Marlon Moraes, uh, and he beat Jose Aldo by unanimous decision. So it's it's a great run. But if you notice, the one thing I kept saying over and over during that unanimous, unanimous decision. decision, which. If it were like knockout, knockout, submission, decision, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, no, give this guy a title opportunity. But like, you're winning, but it's not exactly sexy. No, it's not. And especially in this day and age, you got to win very dominantly. You need to put on exceptional performances to get your name in those top echelon mm-hmm. spots. Mirab didn't. I mean, yeah, beating Jose Aldo is a name, sure. Yeah, it is. But especially when you take a look at who's ahead of him in those rankings, Peter Yan, TJ Dillashaw, mm-hmm. Aljamain Sterling, if you're going to be in that kind of talk, you really need to do something to stand out. And wow, and I'm sorry, it just did not happen with this performance. Mm-hmm. I didn't really sit there, and from what I saw from it, I was just like, no. I mean, he's he's winning this fight, sure. I'll give him that, but yeah. I didn't sit there and go like, man, I want to see him in a title shot. Not at this stage, not after that performance. No. I think the only place you can go right now with him is I would put him up against number four, Corey Sandhagen. Sure. I think if you did that, you could definitely make a really good argument for that. And then for Aldo, honestly, where do you go from here? I mean, at this point, he's 35. He's about to turn 36. I don't see another title run in his future unless he goes on some crazy, you know, knockout spree. You know, so I would say do some legacy fights, you know, do some help promote some guys, finish out the contract and then let him retire. Yeah. I mean, if they really want to do a fun fight just for the nostalgia reasons, I'm looking at the rankings and I know Dominic Cruz just lost. That would be a fun one for old time fans. Yeah. Because obviously Dominic Cruz, legendary bantamweight champion, mm-hmm. Jose Aldo, legendary featherweight champion. I'll say yeah, they've never fought. I mean, that's a fight you could make if they want to do that. Or, you know, you slide more down the card for him. It's just a sense of, with Aldo's performance against uh, Miram, I didn't really see too much in him that was, he didn't have look like he had the same fire in him. I'm sorry, like, it's just, no. it just looked like Father Time caught up to him a little bit. Or you can start seeing the slow creep of that. Mm-hmm. So I just don't really see him hanging around that top echelon. Like, I could see him, you know, somewhere around that 6'10", maybe get a win, and bounce back and, and do something there. And I think Cruz is a name that you can definitely do. But as far as like anybody higher in that ranking, I, I don't I just don't see how you do that right now. I just don't. And then it's gonna be really interesting to see how this all shakes up because I know we we do know that there are some crazy bookings going on. I mean Petrion is still scheduled to face Sean O'Malley. Yeah. 
I still haven't figured out how one taken on 13, but we chalked that up to what pad? Reasons. So anything is possible, but I just don't see this happening any other way. No. And, and for Mira, like I said, you give him the number four, that could that can be a fight that could happen if you know, depending on what Sanhagen's uh, next fight is going on. Yeah. That's the one I would do, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, next up was the co-main event of the evening, and that was in the middleweight division, where you had Paulo Costa defeat Luke Rockhold by unanimous decision, uh, 30-27, 30-27, and 30-27. All right. Pad, your thoughts on this? I mean, it went the way we thought it was going to go. I mean, listen, no disrespect to Luke Rockhold. You know, he is a very good fighter in the UFC. I don't know if I call him a legend. You know, I got to kind of wait and let that one simmer before I call him a legend. You know, he's not a guarantee in my mm-hmm. book. Yeah. You know, but he's a very good fighter, very storied career. I mean, you, you go back and you look through some of the names he's beaten. Jacare, Tim Kennedy, you know, Weidman, Machida, Bisping, just to name a few. But, like, also, as we said last week, his last fight, was against Jan Blahovitz on July 6th of 2019, you know, and, and his last win was in September of 2017, you know, so it's been five years since the guy won, whatever he's got going on. I don't know. I'm not going to pass judgment on it is what it is, you know? So, I mean, I, I kind of wonder why we made this fight and why Rockhold came back, because if I'm not mistaken, because I wasn't able to watch the fight, I was busy, you know, he came out after the fight was over and basically retired then and there. He basically he essentially said he's done. It was one of those situations that I think they gave it to Costa because they really wanted to keep him in that top five talk for the middleweight division. Obviously, he's a name. Now, am I super impressed with him? No, not anymore. Like I think after Adesanya ran right through him, it's a situation of all right, where where do you go from here? As long as Adesanya still has a belt. You can't really do too much with him. Right. I mean, it, it's good for Costa because he bounced back. He'd lost his last two fights against uh, one against Marvin Vittori and then one against uh, Stylebender, which I was in Stylebender. Ain't nothing to really hold, uh, hang your head about. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, I'm looking at the rankings on UFC.com. This fight did fuck all for him because these rankings have updated. There's the little up arrow, down arrow with the number next to him for how many spots they've moved. And I'm looking at the middleweight division where you've got Israel Adesanya, still a champion. Robert Whitaker is your number one fighter, uh, n- not moving. Uh, Jerry Canyonier is your number two fighter, hasn't moved. Uh, you've got, and this is weird because they've got two listed twice. They've got Marvin Vittori listed as the number two ranked fighter as well with him moving up one spot. They've got Derek Brunson listed as number four, having not moved. Alex Pereira is your number five ranked fighter, having not moved. Paulo Costa, number six, hasn't moved. So like, hey, good for Costa. It was a bounce back win for you after two losses in a row. But in terms of the rankings and giving yourself an argument for, hey, I should be in consideration for that next title fight, this did fuck all for you. I mean, great. You won one of the prizes of the night for match of the night, I think. Well, yeah, fight of the night. You know, so you got a $50,000 bonus, but what the fuck did it do for you? Well, that's the whole thing. It was just was uh, more of a send-off for Rockhold and, and letting him have that one last moment in the sun. Granted, the whole wiping of blood on him and from, yeah. the, from the down position. Yeah. I don't get. I'm just kind of saying. I got, I got issues with that medically. That's weird. It, it was a weird thing to watch. So I'm just saying it. Whatever happens in the cage happens in the cage. That just was very, very puzzling to see. Yeah. But for Costa, I, I know he had a rough go with this one, too. I mean, I, he's getting tested uh, super early in the morning by USADA, if memory yeah. serves me right, for, on the weigh-in day. Yeah, the, the day of weigh-ins, he got tested super early, which 
I don't think should happen. No, that should never have happened. You, as much as I'm not a fan of him, I would not say that's proper procedure. Only thing I can think of, because that, that doesn't strike me. I've never heard of USADA doing that before. The only thing I can think of is it was a clerical error. Somebody at USADA headquarters realized, fuck, we haven't tested this guy for uh, legal purposes or whatever. We got to test this guy. Yeah, but that's the, that's the only thing I can think of. During a weight cut, that's tough. Oh, I agree. That, yeah, I agree. That's not right. So the question is, where is Costa going here? Because Rockhold's done. And, yeah, you know, Rockhold's it, done. He had a noteworthy career. I, yeah. Like I say, I wouldn't call him a Hall of Famer. No. I just I don't think he's done enough to really warrant that. But we'll have to wait and see on that. But for Costa, I mean, there's only so many fights he can do at this stage. He's obviously not getting a shot at Adesanya right now. No. He'd have to hope Perea beats him, and then maybe you can talk about him sneaking up there and to get a shot at him. I wouldn't doubt that maybe you try running something with Kanye. Yeah, I could see that. Because yeah, obviously he just lost Adesanya, so – you could make that argument. I mean, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe. I'll say if Pereira is next up against Stylebender, have Pereira fight Stylebender, and in the meantime, in between time, have uh, Costa fight Kenyanye. You know, and if Costa beats uh, Kenyanye, he's next up. And if Kenyanye beats Costa, well, fuck. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing you can do because I mean, I, to my knowledge, and if you don't mind checking for me, has Costa ever fought in Vittori? Uh, let me see. Uh, he, yes, he just lost to uh, in uh, October of last year to Marvin Vittori. See, that's how forgettable that fight was. Yeah, it was five five-minute rounds, uh, and it, it was the lightweight, light heavyweight debut uh, for Costa. Costa, and then they, in the notes it says Costa was deducted one point in round two due to an eye poke. Mm. See, like I said. It's also forgettable. It was a fight night, so it wasn't like a main card. Right, but still, it's just for him, it, it just doesn't stand out, and I think that's unfortunately where he is at this stage because yeah. I'm just looking at the rankings. Like, for him and Vittori, you could run that back, I guess, because I mean I don't see where Vittori's getting a title shots anytime soon. Kanye makes the most sense to me, but then again, you know who knows what the UFC is going to do. Yeah, and if you're at home confused, why I mentioned that fight last fight between Marvin Vittori and Paulo Costa was in the light heavyweight division when they're both ranked in the middleweight division, uh, according to the Wikipedia page for the UFC Fight Night Costa versus Vittori uh, fight, which was on the October twenty third, twenty twenty one. Uh, Wikipedia page reads, quote, a middleweight bout between former UFC middleweight championship title challengers Paolo Costa and Marvin Vittori headlined the event. In the days leading up to the event, the bout was shifted to a catchweight of 195 pounds. That's right. And then ultimately to a light heavyweight due to weight cut issues with Costa. As a result, he forfeited 20% of his fight purse to Vittori. I wouldn't be opposed. So with all that, you know, background, I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to having them go against each other again. You know, you had some issues with the last one. Clearly, Costa wasn't at peak fighting form, I guess you could say, if he's having weight cut issues. Well, he he could run it back. But he, yeah, because I don't know how much he cuts down, but he is a large 185. So to see him having weight cut issues, I'm not super surprised. He's got to cut down super far. If it it, it was supposed to be a middleweight fight and ended up being a light heavyweight fight. Oh, yeah. Holy fuck, he's got to cut down here. He's doing some cut like Rumble Johnson used to do to get down to weight. It's it's something like that. That was huge. Yeah, when he was really doing those crazy cuts, which I'm not healthy. Yeah, I was going to say. Don't do it at home. Yeah, Costa was doing something like that, but that's that's why I say that fight was so forgettable that, honestly, they should run it back because, you know what, like I say, I wouldn't give him the number two after that performance against Rockhold. I'm sorry. No. I know that that's one they probably will because I mean, what else are you gonna do with Kanye right now? But I, I like I just because then what happens if Costa wins? He beats your number two guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to make a choice then. But are well, you gonna... that's why that's why I say if they do end up going with Costa Kanye, if Costa beats Kanye, he gets 
Adesanya next. But if if Kanye wins, well, fuck, what are we going to do now? No, that's the whole thing. You can't run that back. Like, the only thing UFC can kind of, you know, quietly hope for is maybe Perea wins and, and defeats Adesanya <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. to clear up that logjam because it's like, what are you going to do? See, this is one problem when they have such a dominant champion. Like, we talk about Nunez and we, yeah. and we talk with, with Adesanya. And, yeah. well, we were talking about that with Usman until, uh, obviously, Saturday night. Yeah. But it's a situation you have that it's like when you have such a dominant champion that's running through your division, you who are you going to get to face that you have to sell the fight with? Because we have to remember still – it's a sport, yes, but it's still a business too. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is why the whole Conor McGregor tag to every single fight is still relevant. This is why this is you have a Diaz brother that's attached uh-huh. to every single fight, and that could sell. Like, there's reasons for it. It's called yeah. business, and they're there to make money. So, it's the reason John Jones is still employed. Yeah, rumor one in, or 282, allegedly. Yeah, believe it when I say it. Yeah, until he actually walks in the octagon, wait and see, dot, dot, dot. Uh, next up is our main event of the evening, the fight uh, you were all there to watch. Uh, and that was in the welterweight division for the welterweight championship where you had Leon Edwards shock the world, knocking off the then pound for pound number one ranked fighter uh, in the world uh, in Kamaru Usman with a head kick in four minutes and four seconds of the fifth round. Now, while I didn't watch the fight, I did catch the clip uh, of the knockout and I've got to say. The commentators were writing off Leon Edwards for dead. Like, that corpse was buried and the buzzards were circling. Well, you have to think about this, too. If you saw the scorecard, Edwards won the first round. He actually got a takedown on Usman. So that was, like, the one earth-shattering thing that, like, okay, maybe, just maybe, Leon Edwards is going to fight. Because as we talked about on the show last week, Leon Edwards is a very good fighter. There's no question he is not a skilled athlete. But... He's not exactly a sizzle reel knockout artist. He's not going to sit there and really sell you on the trash talk. He's not going to really stuff that up. He will go in there and he will grind and he will outpoint and he fights a very smart fight. Like I say, not a sexy fight, but he'll fight smart. So seeing him in this, the fact that you got a takedown on Usman, that sent shockwaves because Kamaru Usman was the pound for pound best fighter in the world. Like nobody was coming near him. Then second, third, fourth round, Usman started applying pressure. He started taking over, and he started doing what Usman does. He starts picking opponents apart, beating them at their own game. So he was starting to nail some shots back. It's just kind of a weird situation to see. But in that fifth round, I mean, Usman had it on cruise control, and then suddenly Leon Edwards hits him with a head kick out of nowhere with a minute left Mm -hmm. and knocks him out cold. Yeah. So it's a wild thing to see. Pad, you got the scorecard up now? Yeah, so I'm looking at the scorecards. All three judges scored the first round 10-9 to Leon Edwards. Uh, and then afterwards, all three judges scored rounds 2, 3, and 4, 10-9 in favor of Kamaru Usman. Uh, so at that point, it was 39-37, Kamaru Usman. Yeah, so I'm sure that everybody's writing it off too, as, as they should have. Like, listen, it's, it's not to say Edwards was going to win or wasn't going to steal a round, maybe. I mean, that's how you never know when it goes in the judges' hands. Mm-hmm. Usman looked great the rest of the fight, except he let his guard down, and he got caught with one. And, like, listen, I'll say this. Kudos to Leon Edwards. We wrote him out for dead. I'll be the first one to say we did. Yeah, we did. But you know what? He showed up, and he showed a tremendous amount of heart, and there's a great uh, TikTok video out right now. At least that's where I caught it from, Errol Hawani, who has been sitting there screaming about, like, how everybody wrote Leon Edwards off, never had a chance, and just you show his corner keeping him mm-hmm. pumped up through the fight. It's a great video. Then you know, well, maybe I'll see if we can share it somewhere. But this is what goes into this whole sport that Leon Edwards left it all in the cage. So if, he knew this was going to be his one shot. He knew it took forever to get here. 
he made the most of it. I mean, he's been on a hell of a run just because his last loss in the UFC, holy fuck, was against Kamaru Usman yeah. on the 19th of December, 2015. Since then, he's won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten fights, and he's had one no contest, and that was because of an accidental eye poke. Yep, against uh, uh, Bilal Muhammad. Bilal. Yep. You know, so he's had the one no contest, but literally everything else is just wins. Right. And like I say, he wins. He's smart with his fighting. Like I say, if you really love a technical fight, he's your guy. I'll say a lot of decisions. Yeah, but that's what he does. Like, he fights very, very smart. And it, like I say, it's not the sexiest of fights to watch. You're not going to see a lot of knockouts, but I'll tell you what, this knockout was the biggest one of his career. The only thing that comes close to this of such a dramatic finish is Chael Sonnen Anderson Silva won. Oh, very true. That's the only one that comes close in my mind. This was one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. In, t- in terms of just like the ramifications of it, yes. In terms of money, probably not. No, I mean, the biggest one ever, in my opinion, is Matt Sarah over GSP. Yeah. That was the one that I think anybody that tells you Sarah had a chance in that one is completely wrong. Edwards did not look like he had a chance, but then again, that's just how dominant Kamaru Usman was and is to a degree. I mean, he had one bad night. We have to remember this. This is not defining his legacy because now the question is, where do you go from here? I think it's pretty obvious you got to run it back. Yeah, I you, think I think you have to. you got to do it a third time. The only way they would not do this mm-hmm. is a couple options that will stem out of the next UFC fight card. Okay. And that is Chamayev versus Nate Diaz. So there is a couple different things we can go with here. Yeah. One scenario is if they are, and granted, they're very, very high on Chamayev, and rightfully so. Guy sells tickets, guy's box office. If he beats Nate Diaz outright, like let's, let's say a first round win. Sure. Then you can make the argument, plug him right into a title shot, let him go, mm-hmm. and that's a fight that can sell itself. The other option that could happen here is if Nate Diaz pulls off that win. Oh, boy. You would have to argue that you could run Diaz and Edwards back. You could argue that. It all depends on what Usman wants to do. Now, I can imagine what he's probably saying is, how soon can I get back in the cage? Right. I would say that that's probably the most even money bet ever. It just depends, though, if he – if like not wishing he gets hurt or anything, but if he does get hurt in camp, then you have to get a replacement fight for it. Either one of those gentlemen would be a great substitute. He does typically, it looks like, fight at least twice a year. Uh, fought twice in 2021. Obviously, 2020 is a whole anomaly in and of sure, itself. Yeah. Fought twice in 2019, same in 2018, 2017, 2016. So he does appear to fight at least twice a year. Yeah, so it's hard to say. It really is. But... I think Usman is definitely going to be the one that I think they should run it back immediately. I don't think there's any question of that. It just depends on what the UFC is really thinking of doing. I mean, they're like I say, they have some options now, and that's the one good thing with having a new champion. It just depends on what's the right decision to do, and especially for Usman, what does he want to do? Because mm-hmm. like I say, for me, it's a no-brainer. He goes immediate rematch, and we have that arguably by the end of the year. I would say maybe the New Year's Eve week. But I'm not sure what the UFC is really thinking. And depends on what he wants to do because if if he wanted to move up and wait, he could. Yeah. And depending on what Adesanya does, I mean, like I say, he has got a couple options now, but I think the safe one is run it back. Just the only thing is, if they really want to get Shamayev in a title shot, which it's more than likely going to happen. Yeah, because they're they're cashing in on that hype train. 
would they? I mean, I just I can't see him skipping it. But I mean, you have to say it, it's it's in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Would they skip over and then Usman come back at the end of the year fight Chimaev? I mean, it's a gutsy call, but mm-hmm. you know what would the UFC do about this? That's the argument we got right now because UFC 278 and had arguably the the biggest surprise win of the year. I guess like I don't know how else you can yeah. describe it. Well, it's it's the biggest surprise. I have to say, is it an upset? Yeah, in a lot of people's minds and especially ours because Kamaru Usman was so dominant. Seeing him get stopped that way, yeah, absolutely mind blowing, absolutely insane, does not happen, and yet here we are. So now the question becomes: Will they let him have his trilogy fight? Because I think you have to, and I think there's that's the only option that comes out of that one. But that's why we're asking you, the ODPH Society, hit us up on the hashtag hashtag #ODPHPod. What is your thoughts coming out of UFC 278? Are we running it back for a third time with Usman and Edwards? What about Paulo Costa? What do you do from there? And then the bantamweight situation. Talk to us about that because that's turned out to be a little more messier than we thought. All of that and so much more. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello. Good morning. Hi, everyone. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I host a weekly podcast called Nikolai's Kitchen, which is all about my personal journey inside the kitchen and out. Each week, I explore my passion for food and share some positivity, and I break down a featured recipe for you to make at home. It's a show all about the ups and downs of cooking, baking, and living. I'm not a chef. I'm just a guy who loves cooking from scratch and trying to make a difference in the world. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode on a podcatcher near you. Just remember, never stop believing in yourself. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? Sure. WWE is still in a renaissance, and a lot of good things are happening on their programming, so let's mm-hmm. take it around the shows and talk about it, shall we? Uh, yes, yeah, so we'll talk SmackDown last week. Uh, pretty good show. It, notably, it was their 1200th episode of wow. SmackDown. Wild to think, because I remember just, feels like just yesterday, they were celebrating 1,000. Christ Almighty! Can't believe they're already at twelve thousand. Uh, of note, I'm not gonna gonna start doing like uh, six or seven TWS. We won't run through everything. Although, admittedly, there were only three matches uh, on the show. Uh, but of note, uh, Ronda Rousey continues to do Ronda Rousey things, uh, even though she's technically air quotes quote unquote suspended. Yeah, think, continues to show up on uh, SmackDown, uh, much to the chagrin of Adam Pearce. Adam Pearce, hey, you gotta leave. You can't be here anymore. No, I'm not leaving. Well, fine. Then I'll have security escort you out. She then assaulted uh, security, and then they she was quote unquote arrested. So yeah, we'll see where it goes with that. But if she can't, hey, keep showing up. It's pretty funny. Well, that's the whole thing with her. I mean, obviously that she's not in the title picture, so to speak, mm-hmm. of what's going on at the moment because Liv Morgan has a title match against Shayna Baszler at the uh, Clash of the Castle. Mm-hmm. So Ronda's still hovering around that smart storytelling because yep. obviously she's connected to both Liv because she just lost to Liv. And Shayna, because Shayna's a longtime friend of hers. So this makes sense to see this play out. And plus, this keeps Rhonda in the title talk mm-hmm. and keeps her on screen, but she doesn't need to overshadow the storyline. Yep. So I really do like how this came out. Yep. Uh, you had uh, Bailey le- uh, 
Eosky and then Dakota Kai were also uh, ringside, I guess you could say, or, or front row behind Michael Cole to kind of scout the competition. Boy, Michael Cole gets Vince McMahon out of his ear, and Bailey's back to be in his ear. Yes, they they bought tickets, so that, that was pretty funny. Uh, you had a backstage segment with Sami Zayn, which my God, Sami Zayn making money out of everything because this entire segment was amazing. Yeah, you know that he's definitely stepping up, and especially now with Triple H letting him run free. Sammy has one of the most interesting minds in all of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. So he's taking a lot of chances. He's doing some stuff that might be kind of a little left to center, but you know what? It's working. Mm-hmm. So can't argue that. Had a uh, pre-taped promo from uh, Scarlett Bordeaux and Karrion Cross building up the potential feud between him and either Roman or Drew mm-hmm. or both. We'll see. Uh, definitely excited for that. Uh, you had a five-way or a five-man match uh, taking place in the ring uh, with Sammy between, what was it, uh, Ricochet, Madcap Moss, uh, Sheamus, Happy Corbin, and Sami Zayn. Uh, this was for a uh, an IC title match at Clash at the Castle. Uh, partway through it, Sammy ducked to the back because he was, quote-unquote, hurt. Yeah. Uh, he was injury, you know, so it made it a fatal four-way, but then uh, Sammy came back and uh, was about to win. Corbin pulled him out uh, before he could get the pin. Uh, and the fr- and the uh, French Canadian crowd gave him a very rendition, uh, loud chant of asshole, yeah, asshole, asshole. Yes, that's right. Because they were in uh, touring through Canada this week. Yes, they are. So they were in Montreal and Toronto. Yep, yep. Uh, they were in Montreal for SmackDown, uh, Toronto for Raw. Uh, you had and so for the winner of that match, and will now be facing uh, Gunther uh, at Clash at the Castle. You will have Sheamus, which I got to say, not totally surprised by this. It's in the UK, so it's close to Ireland. You know, it's in the same neck of the woods. So once they announced this, I was like, oh, hey, cool. And then I saw Sheamus was in it. I'm like, okay, yeah, Sheamus is winning. Uh, you know what? I'm not saying he's going to, to be honest with well, you. Well, I mean for the five-way. Oh, fi- for the, for five the five-way, yeah, the five-way. Well, five, they announced the five-way, and it was for the IC title match at Clash at the Castle. And I'm like, okay, Sheamus is in it. He's going to win the, the five-way. Yeah, see, I was thinking it might have gone to Madcap Moss just out of, like, keeping it, you know, traditional face sure, versus heel. sure. But Sheamus is in an interesting position. Obviously, him against Gunther, that's going to be a hard-hitting oh, match. Jesus Christ. Not, will, not for the faint of heart. No, definitely not. So that's a good curveball they decided to throw at it. And yeah. especially going over to the U.K. audience, that has big-time fight feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a There was a cinematic segment with uh, the Viking Raiders. Yeah. Uh, having a Viking funeral for New Day, which got to say, uh, somebody's been watching the TV show Vikings, which I know I have. I've been going through watching that. Uh, but similar to some of the stuff they show on that show, uh, so what you see in this whole segment. So very accurate, to, at least to what Vikings show on TV. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't my favorite thing to see this week, but I, you know what? I, I give respect for it. It was just, it was something different, mm-hmm. and, and especially they're really playing heavy now for the Viking Raiders into that TV show-esque homage. Yep. Uh, you had a match between uh, Liv Morgan and Shotzi, and Shotzi, uh, which you had Liv Morgan emerge victorious. Uh, but then uh, once the match was over, Shannon came out because they are facing uh, each other at uh, Clash at the Castle. You had uh, Shayna threaten to break Liv Morgan's arm, but she goes, ah, no, I know how this works. I know if I, if I do this now, I won't be able to face you at Clash at the Castle. I'll do it at Clash at the Castle. Yeah. Which, which was good. Yeah, it's good. It served its purpose. Yeah. Uh, and then you had at the end uh, Drew and Roman scrapping in the ring, uh, which, hey, it's it's normal scrapping in the ring stuff. Drew emerged victorious. You had Sammy eat a Claymore from uh, Drew to try and sacrifice himself since the Usos couldn't be there because <laughs> why? Uh, reasons. reasons. Although if you read online, you know why. Mm-hmm. That's all we're going to say. Uh, but so Sammy was there to 
take the claymore, but yet uh, Drew still emerged victorious, I guess you could say, quote unquote, standing tall, holding both belts to close the show. Yeah, so it was definitely a fun show, and especially we, we do have to acknowledge, too, that there was the NXT um, tag team champs, yes. or former tag, women's tag yes. team champs came up. Yeah, so you had Gigi Dolan and uh, JC Jane uh, replacing the injured Zoe Starks and then quote-unquote, air quotes, injured uh, Nikita, Nikita Lyons, Lyons uh, stepped in, emerged victorious, uh, beating Natalia and Sonya Deville to uh, move on in the Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament. However, uh, during the match, apparently Gigi Dolan got injured, so they are now no longer able to compete for the tournament. So on this upcoming episode of SmackDown, which i got to imagine this is pushing the whole thing back a little bit now because they're doing having to do this, um, they're now having, because in, in, there was supposed to be, I guess you could say the semifinal, uh, tournament or whatever, to, the semifinal match to determine who's moving on to the finals. Cause we'll get to the raw one. We know who, on the one side of the, bra- the raw side of the bracket, I guess you could say, cause that's been aired. Those matches have been airing on raw. We know who's in the final mm-hmm. from that side, from this side, we were supposed to figure out who's in the final this week, but since we not gonna be able to, because they're having a second chance fatal four way with the other four teams who have been eliminated uh, on SmackDown this Friday. So I got to imagine this whole tournament's getting pushed back a week now, which eh, is what it is, but this whole tournament's cursed. Yeah, well, I definitely have to wait to see about that, but uh, it's unfortunate, though, because I was super excited to see Toxic Attraction get called to the main roster for this. But the Fatal 4-Way is going to be interesting for the second chance. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, when they decide to have the finals for the tourney, that should be a great match. Though. That should be amazing. Whoever, whoever comes out of this one. This has been an actually really fun tournament yeah, to watch. Yeah, no, the wrestling's been great. You know, it's been really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then switch over to Monday Night Raw, which emanated from Toronto, uh, Canada, which meant Edge was going to be making his in-ring return, as they noted on the show, uh, in Toronto, Canada, for the first time in over 10 years. Uh, show opened up with Rollins and Riddle brawling backstage. And, hey, shout out Michael PSAs. Yes. It, go back and watch the clip if you can find it. Uh, so they're brawling in Gorilla, you know, right right by the entrance. And the security comes running in. WWE officials come running in. Uh, and, and noticeably, all of the, like, positions where guys are normally sitting in Gorilla where the chairs were empty mm-hmm. until they went far enough over in the middle of Gorilla and you just see Michael PSAs. Lean back, arms folded, legs kicked out, just chilling. Yeah. I cracked up laughing, so that was funny. It was a fun moment. That was funny. Uh, so they came out. That opened the show. You had Trish Stratus uh, officially open up Raw, uh, making a return. She's been touring with them over the weekend. Uh, but And you had Bailey and her crew come out like, hey, we're great to see you. We're such big fans. Why the fuck are you here? Yeah. You see so you had a little back and forth. I thought they were going to tease. You know, I did love the one line from Trish. Uh, I am retired, but it's very easy to change that sentence to was retired. That would have been epic. And I tell you what, oh. that, that that place would have came unglued they if te- did. They teased it about three times. Mm-hmm. One, once there, and then another one later in the night with Aaliyah. I thought they were going to tease her teaming up with Aaliyah later in the night, So, but uh, did not come back. Uh, you then had a, Dol- a match between Dolph Ziggler and Finn Balor, which, hey, got a note. New music for Finn Balor. Not sure how I feel about it. Because I like the old music. Yeah, but he but he's a heel. That's true. That's what you you have to switch it up. You can't like when you do a character change from face to heel and heel to face. Mm-hmm. You have to switch up the music. Like rarely does it work if you try flip flopping. Yeah, uh, I gotta say I did love the back and forth between Dolphin and, and Finn backstage because <laughs> Finn called Dolphin old man and Finn and uh, Dolph just looked at Finn and goes. Wait, aren't we the same age? Yeah. <laughs> no, they were definitely having some fun, and that's some of, more of the creative freedom that you're seeing now with Triple H. Yeah. 
because he's now allowing the entire roster to just breathe a little bit yeah. and just let their personality shine through. And Dolph, obviously, having the comedic background that he does, mm -hmm. this worked out perfect. Yeah, no, that was great. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you had a backstage interview with uh, Sarah Schreiber interviewing Aaliyah. Uh, you know, she uh, was like, ah, it's kind of weird that Ra Raquel uh, Rodriguez isn't here. You know, your tag team partner. Uh, she was interrupted by Bailey. You had Bailey return for the in the ring for the first time in over a year, mm -hmm. about a year and a half, maybe. Uh, had a match between uh, Bailey and Aaliyah, which you had Bailey emerge victorious. It was a good match, all thing, all things considered. Oh yeah, Bailey looked like she hasn't missed a step. Yeah, uh, and then you also next up you had a match with uh, Alpha Academy and uh, doing an open challenge. Which gotta say two things: one, he, Chad Gable said nothing wrong, nothing wrong about Toronto. Well, oh, oh. Let, let's let's be real. Get him, Pat. Maple, Get him. Maple Leaf suck. Uh, but then it had an open challenge. I thought they were going to do because what happened on NXT with uh, Santos Escobar being kicked out of uh, had to leave NXT. Mm -hmm. Thought and this being around nine o'clock was a little after nine o'clock. Was like, ooh, we're gonna get we're gonna get a Fant Legardo del Fantasma his his faction up on the main roster maybe. Didn't though because uh, Kevin Owens came out and uh, wiped the floor with uh, with uh, uh, Chad Gable. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's Alpha Academy there. Alpha Academy, yeah, wiped the floor. Yeah, no, this was a fun segment, and especially with Kevin being back in Toronto, too. That place came unglued. He definitely was the face in, in this equation. And this was just a fun match. And Chad Gable is somebody, too, that's now emerging finally. They're letting him run with the ball a little bit. He's always had the athletic ability, but now this whole shush character. Shush. It, it's working, and it's getting over now, especially Triple H is definitely backing him about this. So there's a lot of win to be had here, and this was just fun. With Kevin Owens, yeah. especially with the embrace that him and uh, Sammy Owens or Sammy, Sammy Zayn had, yeah. had on on Friday night too. Which gotta say, uh, Kevin Owens has got a new shirt, or should I say, a revamped old shirt? Yes, with the duct tape KO on it. Oh boy! Yeah, he's going back to what really made him KO. Which under Triple H, you're going to see a lot more of this happening. That maybe it's going to be a little modernized retro look to a Could few be. wrestlers that we know. Could be, but this is something that definitely pans into the fans and especially the internet fans too because. Once there was a little talk of Kevin and Sammy getting back together, too. And I forget where I was reading it, and it came across the wires in a couple different places mm -hmm. that they would like to have a tag team run. I uh, See, I, I think Kevin has pitched that idea, and I know the crowd when uh, Kevin Owens was kind of getting quote-unquote jumped or two-on-one, the crowd was chanting Sammy, and I thought it would have been a great opportunity for Sammy to come out. Oh, I do, too. And, but it didn't happen. But, no, I would love to see them tag together and get tag team champs and championships. That would be awesome. I wouldn't doubt we see that at WrestleMania. I'm just going to put this out there There's right now. There's a potential matchup that – I think you would be excited for, and I'll bring it up in a little bit. Okay. Uh huh. I think I know where you're going, and I'll mark out when you say it. Uh huh. Uh, so next up was a tag team matchup between Champa and The Miz, taking on Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles. Uh, the winner was who the fuck cares? I don't even think there was a winner. I think it was a DQ finish, whatever the fuck it was, because partway through the match, uh, on the what used to be the uh, announcer side, uh, so opposite the entrance side, mm -hmm. you had uh, AJ Styles was by the barricade, you know, where there's, like, you hop over the barricade, like where the shield used to come down. It used to come down, come through the crowd, and they'd hop over that part of the barricade. Uh, there was somebody tried to jump jump AJ and tried to grab and bring him over the, the barricade, and I even messaged you in Russia because they pulled the hood back, and I'm like, wait, who the fuck is that? Yeah. And then they kind of, even the announcers, you know, Jimmy Smith, you know, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxon were like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what is with our security? How is this happening? And then the match kind of continues for like another five seconds. And then you flop to the opposite side, you know, so a couple of feet down the barricade. 
you, you then see somebody sitting there in a SWAT team, SWAT gear, helmet and all, and he j- and the crowd's kind of freaking out because they see him there, and the if, and the helmeted figure stands up, turns around, pulls the helmet off, and who is it? Dexter Loomis, and then he proceeds to kidnap, or should I say, Miznap the Miz. This was epic. This was hilarious. This played into so many different ideas, too, because we'd always see him kind of hovering around AJ Styles. So we thought, like, would they try turning him heel? And if you don't know Dexter Loomis, he has a very quirky gimmick Mm -hmm. that it's kind of half Dexter from the Showtime franchise. Sure, sure. uh, Kind of like the, I I don't want to say serial killer type vibe, but there is a little, like, we cross the lines here and there, so to speak. So it's it's like Dexter Loon was pre quote unquote marrying Indy Hartwell. Yeah, or like he was just popping up in random spaces. Yeah, he just pops up. He's very very awkward in his in his gimmick, and it works. It's amazing, so, you know. But the thing is, Triple H made it work, and he understands how to how to get that because he was doing something that prior to he came yeah. to WWE. Yeah, and it, it was always kind of like awkward, like it just didn't, oh yeah, it just in sinking. But he found a way to tap into that. He made it very comedic, like the stuff that you see with yeah. NXT with Indy Hartwell and, and yeah. Johnny Gargano and, and, and the Way family there. That was some of the best TV you're going to see. So now that he's on the main roster, you are seeing that, and especially him against The Miz. I never thought until I saw it how perfect that works because uh-huh. Dexter is so awkward. Yeah. And The Miz is so great about getting other people over. And he's great at selling, too, because while he was getting dragged to the back, somebody I saw on Reddit, it was either Reddit or Twitter, mm-hmm. screen capped the exact moment that, like, you had a perfect shot of The Miz's eyes. Mm-hmm. And there would look, well, it looked like he was not acting, obviously. But there was genuine terror in those eyes that he's like, holy fuck, I might not make it out of this. Yeah. Which was awesome. The one thing that people don't get with The Miz, and I, and I don't understand why, he gets the facial expressions Mm -hmm. and how to really sell a story arguably better than anybody. He's so good at it. Yeah, he is. And especially, like, that's one thing that I think a lot of wrestlers should watch is when you're in the ring and you start working the story and how it's affecting and everything, take a look at how The Miz does it. Because I know, yeah, granted, he doesn't do all the crazy Young Bucks uh, styles of moves, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But he's always consistent. He's always fresh with the character. He's always somebody that connects with the crowd one way or another. He's a perfect heel. Yeah. His babyface run is like still up for debate. I prefer seeing him as a heel, but this is a perfect way to, to get Dexter over, mm-hmm. especially on the main roster. And I'm not saying don't doubt Indy Hartwell comes with him sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, what happened next, we're going to skip for a minute. We're going to talk about the last match of the show, which was between Edge and Damian Priest. Mm-hmm. Edge's ring gear. Holy fuck, that was awesome. That was amazing. That was dope ring gear. Uh, you had Edge emerge victorious, uh, beating Damian Priest. Uh, however, there was obviously some shenanigans. You know, the uh, Judgment Day was ready to give Edge a concerto. Beth Phoenix was ringside. She hopped over and was ready to beat the holy living hell out of Rhea Ripley and all of Judgment Day with a chair. She was slamming the shit out of that thing. Yeah, she was. Uh, so that was awesome. And I know after the main event... Uh, after the show was over, Edge did bring up that hey, you know, we only we only WWE only ever really comes to Toronto once a year, and next time we come might be it for me. So he does appear to be getting ready to retire officially. Which hey, if he does, I'm all for. You had a great run when nobody else thought you would have another run. He has a legendary comeback story in pro wrestling that few are ever going to come close mm-hmm. to. So the fact we get to see him now is bonus in anything he does. And I am fully saying coming out of this, 
we are going to have a match with the Judgment Day versus Edge, Beth Phoenix, and a partner to be named. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. Sure. And that's going to be Bray Wyatt's return. Ooh. I'm going to go off of something that we've talked about on 607TWS, which if you want more pro wrestling content, that's always a way to go, and we'll talk about that a little later in the show. Rich brought up the idea about Bray Wyatt coming back and, and being the quote-unquote, mm-hmm. you know, making the deal with the devil to beat, yeah. to beat them. Yeah. I think that's where he does it. Could be. Because you have to pair somebody else with them. Could they do Rey Mysterio? Which has been thrown out. Yeah, they yeah, could. Yeah, they, they could. They could. But I think the story's there. The story is there. But I think with Beth coming back now, because that's the one thing that they've had a problem with, is Rhea comes in there and she starts, you know, absolutely thrashing everybody and, and yeah. around her. Yeah. That now Beth can come back. They can have a program. And especially if Rhea gets one up on her, too, that's yeah. an even bigger feather in her cap, too. For, yeah. You know, Rhea is one of the biggest features in all of pro wrestling. So if they want to do something like that, and then that's how you introduce that third party. And I'm not saying they're, I don't have a timetable when. Yeah. But I could see that happening. And that will be huge. I think if Do- if Ray ends up teaming, that's then you'll have Dominic turn heel. Oh yeah, they've been, they've been teasing that long enough that I think it's going to happen eventually. But if it's not Ray and it ends up being Bray, well then Edge is going over. Yeah, it's it's going to happen, and that's the only way you can do that. But and I tell you what, if you want us to talk about the spikes, the surprises that Triple H has been doing, there's only a few names that can cause a big yeah. enough one like that. Yeah, and I'm telling you this, if if they wanted to rush it. They could try putting on that Friday before um, All could. Out. I, but I don't think they're going to. I think they have something else lined up for that day. But I would say sooner than later that we're going to see. Speaking of Triple H and surprises, uh, in between the tag match and the main event, we had the fucking surprise of all surprises. Yes. Because coming out of a commercial break, I will admit, I wasn't looking at the television screen. It was coming out of commercial break. There was no noise. I was looking at my phone. And then I hear Johnny Gargano's fucking theme hit. And I dropped my phone and said, holy fucking shit, are you serious? Looked up, looked at the screen, and I saw the heart with the winking eye face logo that he has. And then it switches to Gargano on the on the Titan Tron. And then out comes the one, the only, Johnny fucking wrestling. Back in WWE, after, not, after he said nine months away from the ring because his wife and he just had their first child, Baby Wrestling, uh, who, got a, who got their own chant. Shout out to Baby Wrestling. Yes. Uh, you know, he ran down through his credentials, you know, for the crowd who might not know him. You know, he was wondering if he was going to do this anymore. He, he kind of joked, oh, I, don't, I might not remember how to do this. Which end of the mic do you talk in? Mm-hmm. You know, and had a great return that, like, he, like hey, you know, I want to come back. I want to do WrestleMania. I want to do the Royal Rumble. I want to do Hell in a Cell. I want to do Survivor Series. And where's the only place I can do that? Here in WWE. Thoughts on Johnny Wrestling being fucking back. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And especially one thing, too, which I, I saw a lot of this go online uh, comments about. Sure. That the WWE universe, which we know is a different universe than uh, the most uh, internet wrestling community. Sure. Would not know who Johnny Gargano was because he was NXT. That pop said otherwise. That pop screamed volumes. Uh huh. And especially this was not Johnny's hometown. Nope. This was a, a like I say, see him up in in with the Canadian audience was awesome, and they were excited to see him. They yeah, knew they of the work. I mean, they know about NXT, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And I mean this as WWE fans. Like to what degree? It's debatable. That crowd was hot because even the Dexter Loomis, when he pulled the helmet off, Dexter Loomis got a loud pop that I that I was a little surprised about. No, the Toronto and and Montreal crowds are always hot. Like they are like some of the loudest fan bases up there. 
So, sure. but, but, but I agree with you though, because, because relatively new to the mainstream audience is extra Loomis. Yeah. Yes. Nobody knows who the hell he is really, unless, no. unless you watch NXT. They haven't, and they haven't done a takeover in Toronto in quite some time. Right. But the last time they did one, who was wrestling? Johnny Gargano. Exactly. And when you put on great performances like he does, and for anybody that doesn't understand why Johnny Gargano is so, such a big signing, mm-hmm. he is one of the best wrestlers on the planet Hands today. down. And his track record in NXT, because before he came to NXT, he was tearing up the indies. We have actually seen him here at Excite. Yes, we have. So he's definitely a well-traveled superstar amongst the indie scene. And when we went to NXT, he was paired with Tommaso Ciampa in kind of a makeshift tag team that became... DIY with the greatest theme song ever. Uh huh. Of just DIY. Still have it downloaded on my phone. Exactly. And they put on some legendary tag team matches. Yeah, they did. With FTR. FTR comes right to mind. Fuck. If you look up, want to look up a great tag team matchup, DIY versus FTR at the NXT Takeover Toronto Two. I want to say. I believe so. It's a fucking amazing match. It's a classic match. It's absolutely classic. And then when they finally broke the team up, it's oh. one of the most dramatic switches in recent memory. In fact, they even covered up when the, I guess, Johnny's new theme music got leaked out. Yeah, yeah. But him versus Tommaso Ciampa was a feud for the ages. For like a year. And you know what? It never got stale. It never got old. No. It was always something new. They were pu- really pushing a lot of envelopes with that one and pushing everything forward. Mm-hmm. And then when Johnny Gargano started facing Adam Cole. Baby. He just put on match after match after match. Like, he became Mr. NXT, Mr. Takeover. Johnny Takeover. Johnny Takeover. And obviously when they did the transition phase, yep. and he went with uh, his wife, Candice LeRae, and they were doing their faction of The Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were one of the few uh, leftovers, I would say, from the NXT 1.0 to 2.0. Yep. And they did the, and you know what? They all bowed out gracefully. They all left on really great terms. Yeah, they did a write-off in case Gargano didn't come back with Grayson Waller. You know, which Grayson Waller did tweet last night, quote, smart move, pussy. I'd run for me, too. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I didn't <laughs> see that. <laughs> yeah, he, he tweeted it. I could imagine. Yeah. But that's just how Johnny did. And when Johnny has been gone for so long. Nine every, months. Nine months, which it, it doesn't. It feels longer, to be honest it, with it you. It does. But this is how fast wrestling has been moving lately. Johnny had been heavily rumored to be going everywhere. Yeah. And it, it didn't matter where. Like, we we heard rumors that he was going to be wrestling Blake Christian at JCW, mm-hmm. which would have been fantastic, but that's not going to be happening at JCW anytime soon, unfortunately, uh, with Blake now going to ROH slash um, AEW. And you also heard that he was possibly, Johnny was going to be going work in the Indies. Johnny was going to go yeah. to Impact. Johnny was going to go to AEW, which Johnny everybody thought. Johnny was going to go back to WWE. Johnny was going to retire. Yeah, and nobody really knew what was going on, and I thought he played it very, very smart. He, he wasn't sure what he was. He even said it. He's like, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. You know, all, all I knew was I was changing diapers and watching Bluey. Yeah, so I was going to say, he became a father, and then this is where you really have to sit back and think what you want your future to do. Yeah. And I think when he came back, and especially the big selling point, which this is why we keep harping about Triple H's impact, it's a whole new regime Mm -hmm. at WWE that had Vince and company still be there, Johnny wouldn't came back. No. I already say that right now. Hands down, no. No, because Johnny is a smaller-sized wrestler per se. It doesn't take anything away from his athletic ability because he can go in the ring. Well, and I think Johnny got a taste of what it would have been like to be on a main roster with Vince in control because there was a brief like month or two, a couple of years ago, when he was NXT champ, I think, and, and Champa was North American champ, and and the t- or it could have been vice versa. They were champs. They were both champs of one of those of, yeah, yeah, of yeah, those yeah, belts. Yeah. I yep. forgot. And they were making appearances on Raw, 
it was their main raw it was their main roster debut technically mm-hmm. and they just the booking was shit and honestly it's forgettable because i can't even remember who they faced or what they did you know so he got a taste of that and i think he went yeah that ain't for me well i think that's a big difference when in the two different visions of the company and that's why more people are getting into the Triple H version mm-hmm. because he understands the business and like you don't need to be six foot eight, 300 pounds of solid muscle. You can go in there and still put on great stories and put on great matches. Yeah. And this is something that Gargano is going to do on the main roster. I mean, he had his first segment reuniting with Austin Theory, Money in the Bank winner. That was great. Which they teased a lot of the... Uh, Maybe, you know, now I'm the veteran and you're the rookie. Yeah. You know, you can carry my briefcase. You can do this. You can do that for me. Super kick. Yep. So that definitely establishes him right in a program out the way. Yeah. Doesn't know if that's going to be the permanent one or just a nice way to introduce him to the fans. I, kinda, I, I don't think she's re-signed because I haven't seen anything yet. Although, then again, we saw nothing about Gargano up until he walked out. Right. I would love to see Candice LeRae show, show up. Like, if they have, like, two match, three matches at pay-per-views, whatever it is, for Candice to come out at the third one and just go, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. Knock it off. I think you're going to see – you'll see her come back sooner than later, too. I just – it depends on what they want to do with their personal lives. Sure. And, like, listen, that's perfectly fine. I think this is a situation, though, for WWE, it's another win. Mm-hmm. And this is something that they 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 got a big win, especially, which we'll talk about AEW and round on the bases. This is such a big win for them and so deflating for AEW, too, mm-hmm. because a lot of momentum and, and viewership and, and social media buzz has now shifted back to WWE. They are now winning, mm-hmm. and there's no question about it. Like, you can't make an argument that they're not. Yeah. It's a whole breath of fresh air. People are tuning in in droves to watch. The raw rating was over 2 million. Yeah. And I don't care about preseason football or any nonsense like that. The fact they're drawing back to those numbers yep. is huge. Yep. And they're and they're maintaining around that level 1.8 to 2.0. Mm-hmm. That is something to say, and they're building the brand up, and people are giving it a shot, and they're liking what they're seeing. If they keep doing this moving forward, we're going to have arguably the best closeout of the pro wrestling year that we've seen in quite some time. I got to say, I was thinking about it last night. I know I'm like way too far down the road, long-term booking, but sure. like Royal Rumble is going to be fucking insane. Like for the first time, and I can't remember how long, I'm legit more excited for Royal because I always enjoy the Royal Rumble. It's one of my favorite pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Premium live event, excuse me. Yeah. But like just with all the returns, all the possibilities of like who can make a run in, Royal Rumble's going to be fucking nuts, and especially with WrestleMania, like the uh, the potential tag team matchup I brought, I brought up. What if you do Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus DIY? I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Oh, give it to me. Give it to me now. Oh, just, fight forever. Just put a ladder involved, and I'm I'm there. Oh my god. Oh. That and Kevin allowed to do the package pile driver. I am. I will be there. We saw a Canadian destroyer, so I'm Ed- edge through a Canadian destroyer. Yeah, like listen, last person I thought would have thrown one of those. There's hope for everybody right now, but this is something to be really excited about if you're a WWE fan and just pro wrestling fan too, because it's when you have competition, it makes everybody go. And right now, it's such a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. So we can't stress it enough. If you haven't watched the programs lately, give it a shot. Come back to the the fold and see what you like, see what you don't, and then hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the WWE's past weekend of television? Are you loving it? Are you hating it? And like, we can have a genuine discussion about it because you know there's some detractors that are out there, and I don't mind having those discussions, but we keep it positive and we keep it honest and very, very cordial too. We don't need anybody just in there to start dropping F-bombs. Had a couple of those this weekend. We don't uh, talk about those people. They found what a mute button does. 
and it works wonders. But if you even want more pro wrestling content, then you swing on over to 607TWS on your favorite podcast platform. The Wrestling Show has a lot of news going on this weekend, so you definitely want to check that out. And make sure to follow and subscribe to Blogs Count Anywhere, the ODPH and 607 Pro Wrestling blog, only found on odphpodcast.com. That said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre. There's no special features on that goddamn DVD, all right? Oh, wow. For <laughs> Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have the DVD Yeah, Hansel and Gretel. She basically has sex with it, somehow. Foreplay. Yeah. Yes. She's, for, she's chair foreplay. Yeah, I mean, they knocked it out of the park, which is why it's my number three. So. Oh! oh. <laughs> yes. I mean, I wouldn't be in it, because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know, that's you why have it's one. right. It has one. You would have three lines of dialogue. So it has three. Oh. Okay. So I'm actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my, my, my four sentences of dialogue rather than, like, here, I have a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. Favorite form. Oh, anyway, we're not. Dark Phoenix, too. Uh, so, no. So, no. <laughs> no. 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 Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective ex-detective phillips's dick okay but we don't okay i i know all of those words were english but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them i'm anyway, lost not, i'm not following the rates <laughs> very well for those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the OTPH podcast. And Kevin Durant does not want to leave programming for us. We're going to have to start charging this man rent. Seriously, we're just going to have to get a a segment name for his news and the drama that is Brooklyn right now. As Kevin Durant turns. You have to, it's gotten to that soap opera-esque level because as we were recording today. The bold and the Durantula. I like it. We might have to go with that. We had a late-breaking story Uh that... We had to scrap a segment to accommodate because is this finally over, Pad? That's the question. I'm saying no. No. I'm saying I I have thoughts after reading the the press release that came out, and we got much to discuss about this. So hit them with the latest here, Pad. So we have received a tweet all week, but the Nets posted a tweet uh, today as we record. uh, no, No words attached to it, but it's a photo saying, quote, the following statement has been released by general manager Sean Marks. Quote, Steve Nash and I, together with Joe Sai and Clara Wusai, met with Kevin Durant and Rich uh, Kleiman in Los Angeles yesterday. We have agreed to move forward with our partnership. We are focusing on basketball with one collective goal in mind. Build a lasting franchise to bring a championship to Brooklyn. Close quote. Okay, so to recap to everybody... This past offseason, there has been more turmoil in Brooklyn than I can really remember in any time frame. Uh-huh. Kevin Durant, all-star player. He has a championship winner with Golden State. One of the best in the world. Yeah, one of the best players in the world, even though he had to join the team to beat him to get a chip, but that's a whole different story. Facts. 
Uh, for the super team with Kyrie Irving, who is a very polarizing player in his own right. Uh, yeah. Obviously, nobly was with LeBron James for many years in Cleveland, went to Boston, didn't work out there, went to Brooklyn, and it has been a roller coaster of storylines and turmoil throughout their tenure. He's there. missed 60% of the games he could have played. Yeah. And they've been having a third partner that has been... It's a, it's a carousel. It's a revolving door between James Harden, yeah. ben, ben Simmons, and... Well, Ben Simmons is there. He ain't played yet. Yeah, so... Which I still got questions how that man passed a physical when he had off-season back surgery, but hey, you know. I'm not asking any questions about that. We we chalked that up to what, Pad? Reasons. Reasons. So the latest is this summer hit, and Kevin Durant was asking for a trade. Well, and he had just signed a four-year, hundred-and-whatever-million-dollar extension that hadn't even kicked in day one of. Right. And he was like, I want out. Trade yep. my ass. Yep. And Kevin Dur- and Kyrie Irving said the same thing, that he couldn't play in Brooklyn after they said, they, we're, we're yeah. going to make this fix. We're going to make this happen. Yeah, we're, we're going to take over the offseason. We're going to sit down with Sean Marks, Steve Nash, and Joe Sy. We're going to figure this out. Look up the footage. I'm not making this, no, no. Shit, making this shit up. The press conference after they got, what, what, what wait, remind, refresh my memory. What happened to them? Oh, yeah, they got swept. Yeah, they got swept by the Boston Celtics. Four games. Four games. Four games. Post-game post press conference, I believe it was Kyrie. Kyrie said, uh, you know, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to, we're gonna, you know, me and Kevin, we're going to meet up with Sean Marks and Josiah and, and Steve Nash, and we're going to get this figured out. We're going to come back better than ever. So then everything you mentioned just happened. You know, Durant asked for a trade. Kyrie, like, and this was maybe like 30 minutes to an hour after Kyrie opted back in, yeah, you know, because there was a will he won't he, and he was approaching the deadline of when he could uh, opt back in, you know, or else become a free agent, you know. So then we fast forward to I believe it's about two weeks ago now, uh, you know, Kevin Durant met with Joe Sy, the owner of the uh, Brooklyn Nets, reportedly was over in London, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, where Kevin Durant essentially told uh, Joe Sy. It's them or me, and in this case, the them is Sean Marks, the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets, and Steve Nash, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Who was handpicked by the powers that be, too. Well, the powers that be in Kevin Durant and Kyrie, they wanted Steve Nash. Mm -hmm. But Durant turned around and said, hey, you can only have one, either the head GM and the head coach or me. Make a choice. And And that got out. And you have the owner of the Brooklyn Nets put out a statement saying, I stand with my uh, front office staff and I stick with my head coach and and my general manager. And we're going to do what's best for basketball. So that leads us to the roller coaster that has been going on for the past couple of weeks. So we've been covering here on the ODPH and every time we think we're finally going to get a stop in this, it keeps rolling. Every time I'm out, they they, think I'm out. They pull me back in because the trade rumors have been going up. Where is Kevin Durant going? Is he going to go to Portland? Let's is he going to go Portland, to Portland, Boston, Memphis was thrown out there. Memphis think... just came across the wire. Toronto was thrown out there. Mm-hmm. And there was even talk of the Lakers at one yeah. point. There was talk about Phoenix, but the obviously. Knicks name got thrown out there. Yeah, every, everybody's name got thrown out. There was a major market Golden team for the State most part. State got thrown out there. Yeah. And obviously with Kevin Durant's talent, sure, you could you could make that move. Well, and that, that was the kind of the expectation with was once he announced or kind of said, hey, I it got out that, hey, I want to trade. It would have been, if it happened, the biggest trade haul package in NBA history because mm-hmm. of his someone of his talent and caliber. You know, I can understand the Nets wanting the ransom, but I, I would say the Nets set the ransom note or the ransom money a little too high because it turned around and, and days turned into weeks and, you know, multiple weeks went by. Nothing ever happened, you know, kind of fizzled out and kind of died down. You know, and he, and obviously he never got traded. Yeah, so 
it was coming across the wire that Memphis was making a late minute run today as mm-hmm. we were talking that they were had multiple draft picks yeah. which is something that the Brooklyn was looking at that they might have been able to swing that. However, we get this press release and it's basically saying, nope, we're going to make this work. We're, we finally sat everybody down. We've talked. I don't know, Pad. I don't buy it. And I think some of the wording on this uh, press release is very interesting uh, because right at the start of it, Steve Nash and I, together with Josiah and Claire Wusai, met with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman in Los Angeles yesterday. They could have just easily, you know, because it's a statement from Sean Marks. Mm-hmm. It could have just said the Brooklyn Nets together with owner Josai met with Kevin Durant, but it very specifically says Steve Nash and I, yeah, you don't really have to say, you know, their names. It's kind of implied that like, Hey, the Brooklyn nets, you would figure, okay, the president, you know, the GM, the head coach, any other, you know, notable and applicable front office people, given the fact that it was Kevin Durant saying fucking get rid of them. Yeah. I think it's very interesting and very deliberate choice of words that they said that. Oh, I agree, too, because what I think they're trying to do here is he's he's going to wind up leaving. And you're probably sitting at home or wherever you're listening to this podcast, and thank you for doing such, and going, well, Ken, how are you saying this? <laughs> it's very simple. If you're going to try moving Kevin Durant at this stage and with all the drama that is coming up, mm-hmm. do if you're a GM, do you want this headache on your roster? Fuck no. Exactly. But if all of a sudden it comes out that, hey, we're going to make this work, we're going to we've now achieved peace. Kevin's going to be able to play and, you know, there's not going to be a drama and, and tr- really try selling that. You're a GM to say, hey, well, you know what? They had a conversation that we might be able to make this work. Sure. So it's more of a selling point than anything. Well, I think partially part of the reason you, they weren't able to get rid of Durant is thank you, fucking Utah Jazz. You completely fucked the trade. Market. Oh, my God. Yeah. You completely fucked the trade market for the next six months to a year with that Rudy Gobert trade. That like everyone saw what Utah got for Rudy Gobert. And they're like, yep, that's the minimum number of draft picks we want. Because no disrespect to Rudy Gobert. Kevin Durant is obviously a better player than Rudy Gobert. Facts. And the fact that they got, what was it, like seven first-round draft picks? Four first-round and I think seven picks overall, something like that. Seven picks overall for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, Durant's worth more than that. So I think that's part of the reason why it it didn't happen. But I I think that they put – I think he'll play this year in Brooklyn. I wouldn't rule out him getting traded down the line. I Because this whole statement is such an odd statement to put out that, like, why do you have to say he's coming back? I think it's to just stop the media and stop the speculation online. And will he, won't they, what's going to happen? They're like, okay, they put this out. All right, listen, we got to put this out because otherwise we're going to be going from now until the start of the season with, with questions about the trade. Yeah. I think down the road, he probably will get traded, but for right now he's with the team. So to correct that, no, it was three other players removed along with the first four round picks, Okay, but still it's first four rounds. It's a lot of fucking picks. It's a lot of picks, but I mean, that's the whole thing about this, that for Brooklyn, you're now stuck with what you made. Right. I have no sympathy for you. None. Because you knew Kyrie had issues in Cleveland and Boston. Yeah. You still brought him on your team. Okay, you you have to own that one. You knew that when Kevin left Oklahoma City and went to Golden State, it was not exactly the best uh, meshing of both styles of mm-hmm. player and, yeah. and team philosophy. So you knew there was kind of a little rough spots there. You still brought everybody into your team. You tried letting the inmates run the asylum, and yeah. you know what? They've absolutely just ran it into the ground. There is absolutely nothing as a free agent that would make me want to come there if I was playing because you're just having to deal with constant distractions to what you're trying to do. 
Because what you want to do is build a winning franchise. You're not doing that every time that you're in the New York media, which, right. hello, the biggest media market in all the world. Right. And you're doing nonsense like this. So now you're trying to appease everything and say, hey, you know what? Kevin's going to work here. It's going to be great. We're going to do this. One of two things is going to happen. Either Kevin's going to get traded within the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm saying within the next couple of weeks he's gone. Or Kyrie's gone. And they've assured him that they're going to move Kyrie. That's the only one-two combo that's going to happen. See, I, th- I think it could just be the case of, hey, listen, we'll try and trade you, but for now let's just stick this through because we can't get a trade deal that we think benefits us and the other team. Because, I mean, the man's 33 years old. He turns 34 in about five weeks. Mm-hmm. He's going to be 30. So, and this deal kicks in, so he'll be 37, 38 by the time this deal gets over. So the bulk of his best years are behind him. I realize LeBron's like 45 years old and still playing. Freak of nature, though. Freak of nature. But, I, you know, we'll see what happens with Durant. But you can argue that Durant's best years are behind him. You know, so, okay, you can send him to uh, Boston, you know, but at the same token, you're going to leave Boston with absolutely nothing because you can almost guarantee that some of their star players are going to have to come back in the trade. You know, and the same can be for all the other teams, Phoenix, Portland, Toronto, the Knicks, like every, every other team. That he wanted that could have he could have gotten traded to, it would have put you know his what's his been his thing. He's wanted to prove he can win without you know he went on his own that he did you know yeah he's got the super team with with Kyrie and Ben Simmons but it's not the same as when he was with Curry and Clay. Mm-hmm. That like he wants to win a championship on his own. I'm sorry if you go to any of the teams that have been mentioned of being traded to, you're not winning a championship on any of those teams. No, you're just not. And so you've only got so many years left ahead of you. You don't have time for them to do another rebuild. Mm -hmm. Whatever team you go to, Memphis, Toronto, Phoenix, Portland, Golden State, Boston, this year's a wash Yeah, because there's going to be next to nothing left for you to play with. And, yeah, you're a great player. You can't single-handedly will a team to the conference finals and even the NBA finals by yourself. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. No, it's definitely a tough situation. So there's only so many teams he could go to that are willing to deal with him about this. Miami would be one because they have a they have a very deep roster. So I mean, they could sneak by in the East. Otherwise, you got. But I think you got to send them out west. I mean, that's the whole yeah. thing about that. You, Memphis makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, a lot. They got five first round picks. They can deal. Plus, you can also throw in a couple players. I mean, you still got John Morant. That's all you need, mm-hmm. honestly. And I think they'd be fine. And then you just got to find some role players to definitely facilitate here and there i mean i think that would probably be the best landing spot for him and if i'm brooklyn i take that shot i mean what else are you going to deal with because you know what if this season goes the way which i think it's going to you still have turmoil there you still have steve nash there Mm -hmm. which i'm sorry if your star player has been screaming to move him the entire off season i don't think sitting over a a lunch setup and and you know, talking is going to end that kind of nonsense. That's been yeah, going on. I mean, you can disagree with people, and and certainly, I'm sure you, the listener in your life, have people at work or in your life that you just don't agree with. You know, sure. and and there, it, the only thing that will heal that kind of wound or gap is time. Mm-hmm. You know, and for the right now, there can be an agreement that they're going to do what's best for the team and and whatever else, but it's still going to be awkward as fuck. Well, that's the whole problem that you have, and especially. When you start losing games, because you will, oh yeah, everybody loses games. Yeah, how bad is that media pressure going to build on you? Yeah, and obviously we've seen right now you guys can't handle it when you're winning. So what are you going to do when you're losing? You haven't proven that you guys are going to be able to sustain in Brooklyn. I'm sorry, 
this is my, my opinion about this. Yeah. I think you have to move him, and this is just a big old Band-Aid to really cover up an open wound. Mm-hmm. Because the the wound is you have to move Kevin Durant out of there. Like, he can't stay there or Kyrie, and then you take your chances. And like I say, if you can work out a deal with the Lakers, that could work. Because, I mean, like we said, LeBron is found the fountain of youth. Like, he is just playing at such a high level at his age, just resigned a contract, too. Yeah. With the amount of years he's played high-level basketball is just astonishing to me. He can make a run for a couple yeah. of years, and then you can just bow out gracefully. I, I see. I just don't see him getting moved just because they sat there for you know two months now, mm-hmm. and fuck all's happened. You know, and they've talked about moving Kyrie, but again, if you want to move Kyrie, it's going to be a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, I just don't think it's going to happen this year. It, I can see it happening next year, but right now, no. And in terms of reaction, we're not. I haven't seen too much in the terms of player reaction. You get one person's reaction. Yes, we did. Uh, that being Patrick Beverly uh, tweeting quote. Y'all can sit and don't say nothing, but that ain't cool. It's dudes with families out here who haven't gotten a job because of this KD shit. And to be on and off ain't cool. Blessing gang, prayer emoji, basketball emoji. Uh, He then added about an hour later, quote, it's not good business. These owners can't wait until new deal comes. All we doing is hurting the future. God bless, or excuse me, good day, blessing gang, prayer emoji. Kevin Durant saw Beverly's first tweet and quote tweeted it saying hashtag blame KD (laughs) to which Patrick Beverly quote tweeted Kevin Durant's tweet and said, damn gang, who said I was talking about you? I'm speaking of how it was done. Both sides need to keep that private, but noted close quote. Uh, Excuse me, Patrick Beverly, who said I was talking about you? You said in the first tweet, right? He did. Uh, Quote, y'all can sit and don't say nothing, but that ain't cool. It's dudes with families out here who haven't gotten a job because of this KD shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so instant reaction to this. I don't think he's wrong. No. Um, but obviously when you have a wide open Twitter, uh, that can be rules for disaster. I think airing it out, I, and I can understand what he's trying to say with this too because I, everybody is waiting to make moves depending on what goes on with KD. It's the same in any sport. Exactly. Baseball, football, like there's always that one big free agent, that, you know, especially baseball. There's always that one big free agent, pitcher, hitter, that you're waiting on to, to move so that everything else can happen because there's multiple teams interested in that one player. Mm-hmm. And until that one player moves and the other teams lose out on him, they can't move on to anything else. Exactly. It's that's, a part of the business. It's a part of the business, but that's why everybody lines up possible scenarios. So then, you know, if one is not available, you go to option two. If two's not available, you go to option three. You keep yeah. working down to you, you can cover that spot on your roster. So it's not that new, but I think it's just a reflection of just how it's wearing on other players. Like every day when we're talking about the NBA and we should be talking about something else that's more exciting, we're talking about the drama in Brooklyn yet again. And then with what's going on with KD, because, I mean, obviously his player, uh, his ability to play on the court, this is what's warranting all this attention because a team can become an instant contender, if not champion, with him on the roster. Just getting him from point A to point B is what's holding everything up. Mm-hmm. And that holds up business for a lot of other people. But, you know, when you're playing professional sports, this is par for the course. Yep. So this isn't anything like, oh, my gosh, like, what are we going to do? Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, everybody just has to sit tight and wait. And then when something happens with KD, which, like I say, might not happen today, might not happen tomorrow, might not happen this season. We don't know. We can only speculate about somebody making a move. It could happen. I mean, God forbid somebody gets hurt opening night. True. Tears an ACL, does True. something like that. Then Brooklyn could make a move if they really want to, and then you go fleece an organization. <laughs> it's just depending on what they're trying to do. But this is what comes when you mix sports with business. It's not exactly the nicest thing in the world. But no. 
ever so. It's going to be more drama in Brooklyn till further notice. Even though everybody's acting like it's nice, I still think one of the two big superstars is getting moved. Probably. We'll have to wait and see about that. In the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the latest Kevin Durant drama? I'm expecting to hear a lot of answers about this one from some good friends on Twitter. So definitely hit us up at ODPH Podcast. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back on the final segment of this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad, what you got? Got to talk a little local minute. Uh, looking at the Binghamton Rumble Pony schedule from the last week, uh, they were on the road playing Richmond. Uh, they lost, or excuse me, they won their game on Tuesday by the final score of eight to two. Lost on Wednesday by the final score of nine to nine to nothing. One on Saturday, or excuse me, one on Thursday, uh, seven to four. Lost on Friday, eight to four. Lost on Saturday, five to one, and then one on Sunday by the final score of six to five. Looking ahead to this week, they are on the road again, playing a six-game series against the Reading Fight and Phils. Uh, the game times are all seven o'clock Saturday. They are playing at six 45 and then Sunday they are playing at five 15. They do however, return home on Monday or excuse me, Tuesday, August 30th to play a series against the Somerset Patriots. That being the double a affiliate of the New York Yankees. Uh, so definitely going to want to get some tickets ahead for that. Also of note, uh, Thursday, September 1st, Bucky fucking Dent is going to be in town. Ooh. Yeah, going to have Bucky Dent appearance. Uh, so def- definitely be, and I hear tickets are limited on that if they're not sold out already. So if you're in the 607 area and you're looking at meeting Bucky fucking Dent, because <laughs> yes, it is fucking Dent according to the folks up in Boston. Yes. Uh, you know, definitely an opportunity to check out. Uh, and for more information, uh, tickets and all that good stuff, bingrp.com. That said, we're going to close out this edition of the ODPH talking a little AEW wrestling mm-hmm. because obviously we had a lot of wrestling to dissect this week. Yes, we did. And like I say, if you're listening to 607 TWS, you're reading blogs kind of anywhere, we try covering as much as we can, but we definitely want to throw a, a lot of attention to this because there was an announcement yes. that was made following last week's AEW Dynamite. Mm-hmm. That definitely caught my attention. It caught Pad's attention. Now, we do stress Pad is not an AEW fan. Nope. He does not shy away from this. Nope. But he gives his honest opinion because that's what I'm looking for for this. Yes. So last week on AEW Dynamite, CM Punk came back. Yep. And obviously, well-noted wrestler. Obviously, we are now one year into the return of Punk to pro wrestling. He has to taking some hiatus off from mm-hmm. WWE and a long drama situation there. And when he came back from his injury, he is in, he is technically the world champion of AEW. Yep. Came back out, and he addressed the crowd. Now, he did the run and save the week prior, so yep. this is the first time we've seen him with a live microphone. Yep. Had some choice things to say about Hangman Adam Page, the former champion. Uh-huh. Eddie Kingston, who he's had a very, very noted uh, verbal battle with over yeah. the years, to put it mildly. Yeah. And then, obviously, had the interim champion, one John Moxley, come out and address him and get into a little promo battle of their own. Which was good. I saw the clip. It was very good. It was a good promo battle. Uh, I don't think Punk was ready for what John was bringing to him. I'm Probably gonna say not. I'm going to say that right now. And Punk is exceptionally well on the mic, too. We have to give him his credit with that. After a start of the show where they're kind of going back and forth about it, mm-hmm. they even came back out midway of the show. Mm-hmm. It was announced that... 
their match, which is originally scheduled to be the main event for AEW All Out, mm-hmm. taking place September 4th, live on BR Live and traditional pay-per-view, is now going to be on free TV this Wednesday as we record August 24th and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TBS Network. Pad, what I'm asking you is, Mm -hmm. as a casual fan, and obviously we know we can't stress enough, you're not a fan of AEW, but as an outsider looking in, what does this moving of the main event mean to you? It's interesting, you know. It's the one thing I've always heard that you never want to give the your away a pay per view main event on TV for free, mm-hmm. unless it's for like some shenanigans reasons. Which, let's face it, this has got to be shenanigans reasons. You know, either one guy hates the other and they just want to get it over and done with now, or I know I think it was Rich brought it up on this week's six hundred seven TWS as a ratings pop, which I mean I could see. You know, I I don't understand why you're doing this on free TV. And you've essentially painted yourself into a corner with this, you know, because I can't see any outcome of this. There, there's only, well, let me rephrase. There's a couple of outcomes you can do with this where you don't get egg on your face. Mm-hmm. Moxley or Punk win straight up. Yep. That you're not, no egg on your face there, you know, it, but and that's about the only one because, okay, well, if you do a 60 minute time limit draw. Again, like I realize I don't watch AEW, but I hear enough from you that they've done that a number, yeah, they've of, number done of times, numerous times, you know, that to me feels like I just wasted the last, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm watching something, I realize this is the American in me and, you know, your uh, overseas listeners go, oh, I watch, you know, 90 minute draws in football all the time. Listen, I, I can't sit there for that long and watch a tie. Sorry is what it is, you know, but if, if I'm a viewer, if I'm a casual viewer of AEW, and I'm watching Dynamite, and you got Punk and Moxley going hour, and it's a draw. Why the fuck are we doing this? Like mm-hmm. that—that's a waste of time. That's a one of the notable things that I read online from people who have complaints about AEW is how there's not enough time for everybody. That there's some folks they feel should be getting featured or maybe getting some airtime that they're not. So with that in mind, you're really going to sacrifice an hour of time to these two guys when you were going to plan it on the pay per view. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. That's the situation I think that is most puzzling about this. And I, I think it kind of reads a couple different ways. One, it's a bold strategy. Yeah. It's absolutely bold by Tony yeah. Khan and powers to be there. Yeah. Because what you're going to do is, like you touched upon, they need a clean finish. If they have this go to a time limit draw like they've done in previous uh, outcomes, Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega comes right to mind. This is a situation, or Hangman Page, I should say, rather. This is a situation that they are going to really have some problems with trying to sell a pay-per-view event in in roughly under two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to do this? Because what they have to do, and you're putting a lot of pressure on Punk and Moxley, right. is deliver a match of some sort that is going to completely generate you mm-hmm. to get on your Twitter, get on your social media, and get... Basically, like I would have to get on there and I would have to sell pad. Yo, you gotta check this match out. This is oh my god, we have to see this again. We have to go ba- get the pay per view. Like you have to generate that kind of in- 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 reaction. And you got to do it no commercials. In all honesty, well, you have to. I mean, some of the production work, and we've been very critical about this past couple weeks. And I'm, I'm not taking back my stance on it. I think, in my opinion, they they have done some very very badly timed picture in pictures. 
they have to go commercial free if, if you're going to go an hour with this or however long they're going to give time. Mm-hmm. And I fear, and knowing how I'm wearing this, I fear they're going to open up the show with this. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you're almost going to telegraph what's going to happen. But this is the problem about doing a main event like this, which yeah. arguably is the biggest main event they could do for AEW. It is right now. I mean, because... You know, the only other outcomes I can see happening with this are DQ. Mm-hmm. You know, so, oh, shenanigans, we got to run it back it all out. Whoops, sorry, folks. They brawl, and they just run, they brawl out of the arena, and they don't come back. And it's just like, oh, well, fuck, sh- sorry, folks. You know, we got to run it back it all out. But you said, but you, meaning Tony Khan, have said you're not going to do those kind of finishes. Yeah, but. You know, and then, okay, what? so Moxley or. You know, uh, punk win, win clean. Okay. So what the fuck are you going to do for all out in 10 days, 11, nine days, whatever it is. Yeah. I know people have been throwing out hangman page, but I'm sorry if punk wins, punk just made him look like a fucking punk. Yeah. Or seeming made him look like a bitch, you know, calling him out, you know, he, which again, that was not from what I've read and what I've heard online was not planned. And I know the photo was circulating, not vastly. I know everyone's running with the being the elite. Uh, excuse, which he was training guys back in the thing. No, sorry. I saw the photo live on Twitter as it was happening. Hangman was sitting in fucking catering. Mm-hmm. He was not training guys. BTE. Sorry, BTE is not gospel, folks. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's scripted. Um, You know, you can't have Hangman do it because Punk just made him look like a bitch, you know, and called him out and he didn't answer. And I know people throw, oh, well, MJF's going to come back. Okay, MJF just got his ass handed to him at the last match you saw him. Not the pipe bomb, mm-hmm. but the night prior, he got power bombed 1,800 times and basically took his ball and went home. So you're really about to tell me a man who just got his ass handed to him by Wardlow is is warranted enough to come back and immediately jump the line and get a title shot? Sorry, I don't buy that either. It's the problem they have, and this is why doing this match on TV, it's, it's bold, but you're, you honestly are relying on uh, your fan base to get so passionately invested in this that it's going to make a casual fan like you want to tune in right? for whatever reason. Like, And I don't know how they're going to do this, to be honest with you. Like, This is a pay-per-view match that should be on pay-per-view. Absolutely. So the fact you're running on free TV, that's a great thing. For, for us as a fan, perfect. No arguments. But it would make sense if you were in the middle of in, in the middle between two pay per views. Yes, not two weeks out for, uh, two weeks out from your one of your big ones, if not your biggest one. Exactly, because no matter what you're going to do, you you're going to have to try replacing value. Sure, I don't think you can at this stage, because what your fan base is going to do is you have to really have them invested in this. Sure. Punk or Moxley wins, one of the two. Sure. Then you're going to try evoking a media rematch clause. I mean, that's the only spin you could do, but that's not enough for me to spend 50 bucks on this thing. Right, and, and that's the thing is, you know, the, depending on how this goes, this could or probably will affect the buy rate of the pay-per-view. Yeah. Because depending on how this goes, if it's, you know, I think if it's shenanigans and you just run it back, you know, you have the match officially at the pay-per-view, then buy rate will be what it was, you know, not much affected. But I think if it gets dropped and it's somebody else other than Mox, because I agree with you, while I don't watch AEW, I do agree with knowing what I do, which is admittedly not much. I do agree that Moxley Punk is the best matchup you can do right now. That being said, if it's not Moxley Punk, there might be some casuals who look at that and go, well, I really was excited for Moxley versus Punk, but you know what? I already saw that, and I I don't think this matchup can live up to it. 
I'm going to save my 50 bucks. No, that's that's the problem that they have, especially with the buy rate that they really need to sell home. That's something that this is so crazy to see. And I don't think that they, as much as they have a talented roster, and they have mm-hmm. one, of the, they have a very deep one. I'm not taking anything away from that. Sure. But if you're trying to sell fans to tune in and drop 50 bucks for a main event, mm-hmm. and granted, I would say recommend have watch parties. Don't go steal it. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, if you really scream, I'm with AEW, then chip in and pay for the thing. Yeah. You really have to give them some incentive or value. If you have Punk and Moxley, and let's say it's a terrible match for reasons, why should I spend money to tune in to watch it? That's the argument you got to have here. And sure, you're going to say, well, it's, that's just one match on the card, but that's the marquee match. I'm sorry. That's the first one. That's going to be the last match anybody sees. Everybody remembers the last match and the ending of it. If you don't come with it, you don't really establish something special here. Why are you even doing it on a pay-per-view? That's the argument you're going to have. And no matter who you try plugging and playing in, if it Punk wins, which I assume he's going to win, then you have the problem of you try really forcing a storyline with two weeks with no no real reason for it with him and Paige. Right. And then you hope for the best there. Or are you, are you really banking that MJF is going to be your savior when you've cooled him off enough? Yeah. And he has one week to work with with an open microphone. MJF's good. I don't think he's that good. Exactly. Not this stage. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for All Out, which is scheduled to take place on September 4th, 2022, uh, from Hoffman Estates, Illinois, at the Now Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, the announced matches you have is uh, To Be Determined versus To Be Determined. Uh, this is the tournament final for the inaugural AEW World Trios Championship. So you got the trios titles on yeah. there. Uh, you've got a six-man tag team matchup between the Pinnacle, that being Wardlow and FTR, taking on the Lethal Connection, that being Jay Lethal, uh, Satnam Singh and Sanjay uh, Dutt. And let me point out too, Wardlow is the TNT champion. FTR is the Ring of Honor tag team champions. Yep. So they're not getting defended on the show. Right. Uh, and then you've got Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm in a singles match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, and then you've got the, obviously you've got the casino ladder match. So as of right now, because the fucking title match is going on this Wednesday, you've got four matchups announced for this, which I'm sorry if this is me, a casual if I'm a casual viewer, I'm looking at this going, yeah, I'll save my 50 bucks and just read the results and catch the highlights online. Yeah, there's one match that they don't have updated on, on Wikipedia there, and that's Sammy Guevara versus Eddie Kingston. That was actually the first match yeah. announced. But still, but no, but you're but you're right, though. There's a big selling point that you need to do because this is selling the show. Yeah. Your AEW fan base has stayed consistent watching on television. Whatever you want to take for the ratings, listen, that's just a benchmark to let you know what you have. Sure. You hover around a million each week. Uh, I believe it was 957 last week. Right. But you're around that mark. You haven't grown over 1.1, 1.2 consistently. Mm-hmm. This isn't a shot. This is just I'm stating the facts. Yeah, here. yeah. Rampage is Rampage. I don't count Rampage because that is a whole different ball of wax. Ramp- Rampage, I think, is on about on par with what NXT does, sometimes less. Yeah, it's, it's, it hovers around that 350 to 500,000. Yeah. Which, okay, it is what it is, but it's a secondary show. And it's a secondary show that's taped what, uh, what 48 hours, yeah, whatever it is before it actually airs. Yeah, so that's like I say, I don't, I'm not including that for this argument's sake. Yeah, it's a whole, a whole different ball of wax with that. But you're hovering around a million viewers. Yeah, if this buy rate doesn't spike mm-hmm. to the highest dynamite of all time because you're giving them the biggest match you can, yeah, what is that saying going into your pay per view? That's the question for mm-hmm. I have. 
because you honestly are giving away your best match for free and you're not getting anything back in return. Like it's a, such a weird slope to walk. Oh, it is. But this is where the problem is going to lie for him. And they do have a decent show lined up for Dynamite, don't get me wrong, this week. Because you also have on their Death Triangles taking on Will Osprey and Aussie Open. So they're coming over from New Japan Pro Wrestling okay. for the Trios Tournament. Dax Harwood is taking on Jay Lethal. You're also having, if you're really following the storyline of Billy Gunn and, and his uh, the gun club turning on him and, right. and that whole nonsense. I mean, right. there's something for you there. Ricky Starks is having an interview segment, and so is uh, Daniel Garcia and and Chris Jericho because of the drama going on there because of last week's main event. Sure. So that said, and I believe Rip Baker is also wrestling on the card too against uh, Kylan King. You're also having that a card there that you really need to sell, and I'm sorry. If this does not do well in the ratings, this is a bad sign going into the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely something to be fearful of. Yeah. This is one show that they can't miss on, and I stress this. If you're an AEW fan, you need to be out in full support for this. You need to go out and watch this. You need to really wave the I'm with AEW flag right. and really try sending the message this is going to be worth the time. You can't do it like a toxic fan, though. Sure. But we have to be very objective about this. I know I'm going to be watching on Twitter, and I'm definitely going to be commenting about this. But if this match does not deliver, and then we immediately get told, well... We're gonna oh, run shucks, folks. We're gonna run this back in seven days yeah. or nine days or whatever it is. Yeah. But we're gonna add somebody to it. I don't know if that's gonna be the way to go for this. No. I really don't. No. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But I'm gonna say this. This is a very important dynamite for AEW. It's pivotal. It is. It's very very, very pivotal. If they don't nail this out of the park and this drops in ratings. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I have to say this this will if I have to make a guess this will be around 1.1 it has to be it should be a little higher but if you're gonna really say that this is supposed to be the main event of your biggest show of the year and it does not ju- draw ratings that is a clear sign that there is trouble I'll say it'll do in the 989 range okay it'll it'll pop a little bit but it won't crack a million okay no and, and that's fair but this is gonna be something that is gonna get benchmarked and especially with how WWE has been stealing social media how they've been stealing ratings, how they've been stealing a lot of attention that is usually given to AEW. They need to come back and respond with a with the best show they can put out possible. This is the challenge, and I know that we have people from AEW that listen to this show, and I'm saying this with the nicest warning to you. You have to deliver a classic this week. No ifs, ands, or buts. This has to be a perfect show. You have to get everybody out in social media to really generate a buzz. You have to generate a huge rating. If not, this is big problems going into the final week before all out. And AEW's got no excuses for big ratings on uh, Wednesday because I'm looking at the NFL schedule. There are no preseason games scheduled on uh, Wednesday night. The no excuses. They got no excuses. This is how it's going to go down. <laughs> it was on Thursday. There might be a different story. Green Bay's playing Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there, I'm looking. There's not. There's uh, looking for preseason week two. The last set of games are on or uh, were on Monday night. That was the Jets and the Falcons. There is nothing else until Thursday. So that said, there's the challenge, AEW. Do you accept it? Or is it going to be a long week to all out? That's going to be the question we're going to be talking about on social media moving forward. That said, Pat, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. He's mm-hmm. got a new EP out. He's always out playing somewhere. We're going to go to find out what's going on with him. ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You check out everything going on with him, everything going on with Second Suitor. 
Shout Out the Robots, Floodlands, Yard Party, Tom Jolu. A lot of those bands, too, are going to be involved with Porch Fest. Hey-o. So that's a local live event that's going to be happening in uh, Binghamton yep. on the 27th, 28th, I believe. Yeah. They all have different show times, so I'm just going to tell you right now, follow them on the social media links that we have given you on odphpodcast.com. You can definitely catch up and find out where they're playing out. I'm going to try making some shows if I can because it's a crazy weekend, but it's always a cool time to see because they just play on the front of a lot of people's houses. Yeah, if you go to uh, Facebook and you search Porch Fest 2022 Binghamton, there is an event on Facebook, and there you can get all your information over there. And that is this weekend, too, as we're talking about, 27th, 28th? Yes. Yes, so you definitely want to go check that out. Definitely on the ODPH website, though, we have to rec- shout out our, all our amazing patrons. Like This is something that I'm completely astonished with. That Yeah, it's a, it might say it's a small number, but when we started doing this whole podcast thing, I was actually shocked that anybody was even saying you guys should do one. So let alone that we have some great sponsors like Rich from the 3FN Podcast, Stu from SWO Productions, John from the Pinek Podcast, and Joey from the Soul Wizard Podcast. All are fantastic patrons. And if you want to check that out, patreon.com slash Podcast, one, one tier, $2, and a lot of content on the way. Also, while you're at odphpodcast.com, check out Parley Points. New blogs are dropping. Have a brand new blogs count anywhere out right now. If you're looking for comic reviews, we got that. Dre Driven did a uh, review this week, too. Hey-o. And and we had some late-breaking news via Twitter from your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Goddamn right Pad, we do. do you have that lined up? I do. So we got to receive the photo from Coach Duffy. It's a screenshot of his email that uh, reads, quote, Mr. Sean Duffy. On behalf of the PBLA, I would like to extend a formal invitation to attend our inaugural professional combine taking place in Elmira, New York from September 9th through the 11th. Big news for him. So congratulations, uh-huh. Coach. We'll get... And he has said, and I quote, when he's coming back from vacation, he is going to be sending out some vlogs, some footage for us that we'll be putting on the Parlay Points section under the ODPH Extra. Mm-hmm. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Also, remember, check out the Classified section, which has friends of the show like 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter. Voter registration, huge thing this year. So definitely make sure you check that out and all the amazing other pod groups that we are into. So you definitely want to check that out. The directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? 823,000. Sounds about right, and we grow every single day. So if we are not on your favorite podcast player, let us know, and we'll try getting it up there for you because we put all the links to the show on every single player. So if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you listen on Good Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, if we are on there, we make the players so easy for you to go hit follow, play, and get involved with everything going on with the ODPH. Also this week, T Public, you know what time it is. <laughs> So definitely make sure you are checking out that link as well. All of that and so much more. If it's the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J, fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.
find